morning, I'd like to introduce someone to you, Jack Bailey. Come on up, Jack. Uh, Jack is going to be joining Jordan Larson in our ministry residency program. Um, Jack is a senior at Wayne State and has a heart for ministry. And uh, if you remember, if you were here a few weeks ago, Jack was baptized. Um, and at that point, I said, I'm going to put you on the preaching schedule. And I was serious. So he's he's uh, he's going to start, just started this week in our ministry residency program. Um, and, you know, the whole idea of, the, of that residency is to help raise up and equip new church leaders. And so Jack is committed to that, and he's going to be with us uh, for the next year moving forward. Um, and his focus um, is going to be like just general exposure to all of our ministry here, but he's really going to dive in with our high school group, Ignite, on Wednesday nights and being pouring into them as well. So if you are interested, I made some copies of his short bio and testimony, and those are available at the um, front desk in the lobby. But I asked Jack if he would share a little bit, so Jack... The stage is yours. I'll be out in the lobby if you need me. <laughs> job like that was my plan all along and 
days after that, like something's just eating at me. Um, I need to I need to talk to the Lord about this. And so one of the things that I do um, with the Lord each day is you know obviously talk to Him. And um, so I'm talking to Him, and I'm like, "What do you want to do today? Do you want?" Um, you see, sometimes I'll go for a walk, you know, listen to worship music, talk to Him, whatever. But I felt in my heart He said. I want you to not have headphones in, and I want you to run. How, how am I going to connect with you when I'm running and panting, right? I don't know. So I'm like, okay, that's just, that's in my head. That's me. There's no way God would do that. But the funny thing is, God does stuff in unique ways, right? And um, so I'm like, you know what, no. <laughs> I'm going to, uh, I'm, he wants me to walk. Trust me, he wants me to walk. And... <laughs> And so I put on uh, I put on slides, some Nike slides, and I go out. Um, I live in the country, um, and I go out and I start walking with these slides on. So obviously I'm intending to walk, and um, everything inside me says, "Run!" It's like, okay, I'll run then. So I'm running with these slides, and um, I'd say I was running for about two minutes or so. And I can't really explain it, but it was, like, really quiet. Um, and I felt, this is one of the ways that the Lord speaks to me. It's not its not often audible, but he, he'll bring words to my heart. And I, I can recognize, yes, that's from him. If I have a question of if it's from him or not, probably isn't, right? So it's very um, spaced apart. doesn't happen that often when he speaks to me like that, but words came to my heart, look how you're running like you're running from what I have called you to do. And so I stopped. I'm looking around. I'm like, I knew deep down in my heart, I told him I would give my life to him and I'd do whatever he wanted. And so I said, you're right. You wanted me to, 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 if you want me to do this, I'll do it. And so I decided, okay, I can't deny you whatever you want. I, I died that night. My life is yours. And so the next um, week, the next Sunday, I told Dave, yeah, I'd, I'd love to do it. Um, this last week, I um, got to do my first uh, week of the residency, and it was it was awesome. Got to partake in a couple meetings and stuff like that, and then um, on Wednesday night, um, got to hang out with the high school guys and and girls and met a lot of them and I was surprised I was like wow this is a lot of people and they're like this isn't even half what you know <laughs> um, because I, I grew up in, in Gretna class A so the, the the high school youth group that I had was like 10 people so I'm like you know it would probably be like 8 right Wayne's kind of small no no they're, but God's moving here God's moving here um, so I got to partake in that. We did some um, small group stuff, listened to Dave give a message, and it was, it was really good. It was about um, maturity in faith. And um, so we're, we're, we're sitting and doing the small group stuff, and I could see that the guys really had a heart for the Lord. They weren't like me back in high school where it was, it was about um, doing it just for a tradition or doing it for your parents. Like, these guys generally have a heart for the Lord, and I was just, like, 
I'm supposed to be, you know. That's that's what I, I love. And so props to them. Um, uh, that was really awesome to meet them. And so Dave's like, okay, uh, first of all, shout out to Dave because we had, uh, we were kind of short, like we, we need a speaker for crew this last Thursday. His, his, his uh, timetable was booked out, but because um, the guy that he is, he decided, yes, I'll help out and, and, and give a message at crew. So if we could give him a round of applause, that would be awesome. <laughs> Um, so he's like, yeah, just kind of come up here and say who you are or whatever. And I'm like, my plan in my head was, okay, I'll just say, hey, I'm Jack. This is, you know, the way I might do this and this. And if you see me around, feel free to say hi. Something, something takes 30 seconds and just whatever. But uh, I was praying to the Lord yesterday, and, you know, I'm exhausting everything that I have to say, and I'm like, you know what, 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 what do you have to say, right, because it's a relationship, it's not a one-way street, and usually it's, like I said, it's not too much, uh, but I knew the only thing he said to me was trust me, right, I was like, okay, that must have to do with tomorrow when I go up and introduce myself and we were also talking about throughout the week maturity maturing uh, with with the Lord and so I knew that he wanted me to come up here without a plan he wanted me to come up here and just speak from the heart uh, and let him do it and I'm like I don't know about that like lots of people here I you know nervous and stuff but um, I know that is faithful, and the whole point of me giving my life in the first place is I can't do it on my own, um, so if I gave my life to him and trusted him to, to have my life, I'm pretty sure he can handle something like this, um, so yeah, um, and he also, wa- so he wanted me to talk about uh, trust, um, and a big part of that is like looking at the different people throughout the Bible. So you got Abraham, right? Um, when he didn't trust the Lord, he tried to um, make a kid himself, tried to force that promise. So he birthed Ishmael, and God's like, that's not what I planned. We're going to do it my way, right? So um, they do, he does it his, uh, God does it his way. And then um, Abraham's like, I want you to sacrifice Isaac, right? And he does it. He, he's about to do it, stops him, and um, but he rewards him for his faith, right? Whenever whenever somebody does something on their own, it never works out. But when the Lord, uh, when you, you're faithful in the Lord, he, um, he will take care of you. Um, so then you've got Moses, right? He's, he's like, I, I can't speak, I can't do this, I can't go please pick somebody else and the Lord's like no like I'm picking you and um, then he ends up being the leader of Israel crossing the Red Sea and he's rewarded for that that faith right um, then we've got John the Baptist he's he, he has to be he 
says, I must become less and less, and he must become greater and greater, like talking about his, uh, Jesus' ministry. And I feel like that's how he wants us to look at our, our faith walk. We, we, we have to become less and less, and he has to become greater and greater in our lives. And I think the question that he wants me to ask you today is, what part of your life have you not given to him? Join me. Yep. Uh, will you join me in praying for Jack this morning? Father, I thank you for Jack's heart for you, for his willingness to, to step out in faith and, and to trust you, even in something uh, scary like stepping into the ministry for the first time. But Lord, we look forward to uh, how you're going to use Jack here at Journey uh, this coming year. Thanks for how he's already building relationships and pouring into students um, and willing to share from his heart this morning. So, Lord, just uh, continue to work in him, uh, help him uh, connect with us here as a church family. And, Lord, we are so thankful that he's here on the team. And we give you all the glory and praise. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you, Jack. All right, that about wraps up our sermon time today. No. <laughs> We are continuing our, our series in 1 John this morning. So if you have your Bible or your app, open up to 1 John. And, and, uh, and we're taking the slow walk through this short book. And remember, back in week one, we talked about the two purposes that John has when he's writing this letter. One is to expose false teaching around who Jesus is. So John wants to clarify his divinity and his humanity. But also he wants to assure believers of their salvation. John wants us to know that we can know Jesus as our Savior. And in doing so, he offers some tests to see how we're doing. Um, a couple weeks ago, we talked about the test of obedience, that knowing Jesus means that we are obedient to Jesus. Uh, Justin talked about the test of loving others, knowing Jesus is, is seen in how we love others. And today, there's a third test we're going to talk about, a test of where your love lies. So we see this in our text this morning from chapter 2. Uh, we're just going to look at three verses, verses 15 through 17. Do not love the world or anything in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in them. For everything in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life, comes not from the Father, but from the world. The world and its desires pass away, but whoever does the will of God lives forever. So if we were to boil this down just to one simple sentence, I would say, fall in love with the Father and not the world. You know, sometimes it's hard to pull different points out of a, of a Bible text or passage, but this one's easy. It's simple, man. Don't love the world, but love the Father. So what, is, what does John mean when he says don't love the world? In, in the Bible, the word world is used in three different ways. One, it refers to creation, the physical creation, um, you know, earth and trees and all of his uh, animals. But that's not the meaning here. John is not talking about the wonder of a sunset 
or the beauty of the flowers or the, you know, the majesty of eagles soaring in the sky. That's not it. Because God looked at his creation and said that it was good. And his creation still reflects his glory to the degree that it prompts us to give him praise when we see the beauty of God's creation. In fact, the psalmist writes in Psalm 19, the heavens declare the glory of God. The skies proclaim the work of his hands. Day after day, they pour forth speech. Night after night, they reveal knowledge. They have no speech. They use no words. No sound is heard from them, yet their voice goes out into all the earth. Their words to the ends of the world. In the heavens, God has pitched a tent for the sun. I love that opening line, the heavens declare the glory of God. We can look at his creation and see that our God is good and he's there. And again, later in Psalm 104, it, uh, the psalmist declares, how many are your works, Lord? In wisdom, you made them all. The earth is full of your creatures. So that's one use of the word world in scripture, referring to planet earth. The other use of the word world is humanity and people. And we see that in verses like John 3.16, for God so loved the world. Referring to us, you know, not the inanimate world, but people. And God loves people. He came to live among the people that he made and to save them. But here in 1 John, he uses the world differently. He uses that word differently. Here he's talking about an organized system of principles, practices, and teachings. Now, we, we use the word world that way. There used to be a, a, a TV show called the ABC Wild, Wide World of Sports. I don't know if you ever remember seeing that. The, the opening scenes would show this alpine skier coming down and just totally wiping out and going off a jump and flailing around. And I thought, I want nothing to do with that world. But that's one aspect that we use. We talk about the world of politics or the world of science. You know, it's the order, the system, the structure, and all of the ideas and practices and purposes that fall into that. So specifically here in 1 John, he's talking about that system that is opposed to God, Jesus Christ, and his work on earth. So we, we know from John that this is an evil order with all of its components working against God's will and God's plan. That's why John can say in verse 16 that this does not come from the Father, but the world. And that what comes from the world is passing away. Later on in chapter 5 of 1 John, it tells us that we know that we are children of God and that the whole world, referring to that cosmos, that, that evil system, is under the control of the evil one. So what about that word love? He says, don't love the world. How, how would we love something like that? Well, we use the word love pretty flippantly today. You know, we talk about we love pizza, we love fishing, we love hunting, we love food, and we love art, and sometimes we love the Huskers. I still love the Minnesota Vikings, even though they have never won a Super Bowl. So love at its core is a desire for and a commitment to something or someone. 
you love pizza, you desire to have it. I love coffee and good tea. And I go to bed each night looking forward to a hot cup of that liquid goodness every morning. You know, I desire it. I'm committed to it. I spend money on it. You know, so whatever you desire, whatever you are committed to, that's where your time and talent and resources go. And those then reflect what or who you love. If you love football, that's where your time and resources go. If you love fishing or hunting, you're going to spend time and money there. If you love your spouse, you spend time with him or her and are committed to him or her, and hopefully you spend a little money on your spouse. So love is more than just emotions. It's more than just the warm fuzzy. It's that kind of commitment, time and resources and effort. And if you love the world system like John is talking here, that's where you're going to dwell. That's where you're going to spend time, and that's where your resources are going to go. So right out of the gate, John kind of hits us between the eyes in verse 15, because this is the first overt command of the letter. Literally, he's saying, stop loving the world. He's implying that his readers, that these believers that he's writing to, are already loving the world, that they're guilty to some extent. So he's acknowledging it and just says, stop it. Stop loving the world. See, the test that he is bringing to us this morning is that true believers do not habitually love the world. They don't habitually stay there, dwell there, and spend time and resources there. So then Paul begins this really descriptive, detailed look at what love of the world looks like. He says it consists of lust of the flesh. That idea of lust is just an inordinate desire, and it's not limited to sexual lust. It's just a life dominated by our senses without any regard to the, to the will of God. So it could be an inordinate desire for a man or woman, but it also could be for a car, a position at work, food, drugs. All of those are lust of the flesh. But he doesn't stop there. He talks about then the lust of the eyes, meaning we desire what we see. And it describes, describes someone that's just captivated by outward show of materialism, and that sucks them in. You know, our eyes are the primary organ of perception, and because of that, they are often the principal avenue of temptation as well. Like Jesus says in Matthew chapter 6, verse 22, that the eye is the lamp of the body. And if your eyes are healthy, then your whole body is full of light. But if your eyes are unhealthy, your whole body is full of darkness. If then the light within you is darkness, how great is that darkness? See, our eyes, what we look at, is closely related to our then he goes on even further. It's not just the lust of the flesh or the lust of the eyes. It's also the pride of life, meaning just that arrogant spirit of self-sufficiency, self-supremacy. It's that desire for recognition, for applause, for status, advantage. All of that is the pride of life. My nephew told me one time that, that he worked with a guy that, that he referred to as one-up. And he would, you know, he'd kept calling this guy one-up, and I'm like, why do you call this guy one-up? Well, he was always trying to one-up my nephew Aaron on every story that he would tell. 
You know, so if, if he would tell a story about crossing the straight, a state line, for example, one up would talk about his trip to Europe. You know, he would say, he's the kind of person that said, well, my house has 1,200 square feet, one up had 2,200 square feet. You know, if you caught a two pound bass, he caught a four pounder. You know, always trying to one up the person. And that's a great example of the pride of life. And that includes everything from centralism to self-indulgence to self-conceit to ungodly gratification of fleshly appetites, material self-satisfaction, all of that stuff, egotistic arrogance, all of that is the pride of life. So you put those two together, the idea of love and world, and when the world or any object in it so engrosses our thoughts, minds, our hearts, our conversation to such a, a degree that it excludes reflection or desire to do the things of God, then we're guilty of loving the world. When we have discontentment with our portion of material possessions, we're guilty of loving the world. When we're jealous because we're not blessed with earthly convenience like other people, we look at that with jealousy, we are guilty of loving the world. If we pride ourselves on earthly distinctions and resent the least contradiction or slight from others, we are loving the world. If we seek to acquire more and more and retain its objects or its wealth in wrong manner or wrong means, then we are guilty of loving passage tells us that what the world offers, seemingly offers, it cannot give because it's all temporary and passes away. John says, don't love the world. Instead, love the Father. And to love the Father is really to love his son Jesus, to be a, to be a disciple of Jesus, to commit your life to him. You know, here at Journey, we define a disciple as someone who has followed Jesus with your whole life, more than just Sunday mornings, but every aspect of your life, you're saying yes to Jesus. It's also someone being changed by Jesus, allowing the Holy Spirit to work in us, allowing the Word of God to change us from the inside out. And thirdly, that disciple is someone who's living on mission for Jesus by serving Him in whatever capacity. But if we look back to our definition of love, that it's a desire for and a commitment to something or someone, I mean, that's tied to loving the Father as well. I mean, I, I love my wife, Dory, and my desire and my commitment are for and to her. And to love the Father is that same way as to have a passion to know Him, a passion to spend time with Him, to, to know, love, and become like His Son, Jesus. When you love the Father, you're purposeful in, in how you go through your life and with a desire to deepen your intimacy with Him. When you love the Father, you're committed to and pursue biblical community. You know, the Lord, Lord has designed us to walk together as a church family. When, when you love the Father, you, you are involved in helping and encouraging others move closer to Christ as their Lord and Savior as well. It's not just about your salvation, it's about others as well. And that could look like helping our elementary students as we make disciples on Sunday morning. 
It might look like helping our junior or senior high students on, on Wednesday nights and pouring your life into them. It might look like loving the Father and intentionally uh, getting involved in a life group or a D group as an adult. See, loving the Father so much so that we are intentionally creating a ripple effect of our faith, a ripple effect through spiritual generations as we follow Jesus. Really, it starts with each one of us. It starts with our own heart, our own mind. And I love how the Apostle Paul puts it in Romans chapter 12 when he reminds us and challenges us, do not be conformed to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you'll be able to test and approve what is good, approve what God's will is, a good, pleasing Now you could begin then to see how they are in opposition to one another. It's not possible to both love the world and love God because they're mutually exclusive. You love the one and, and you hate the other. And the love that God hates is a love for the world. Now hate's a strong word, but God hates sin. He hates those things that are in opposition to his plan. The Bible tells us that we love the person, we, we love the sinner, but we don't have to embrace the sin that they are in. We can hate that sin. We welcome and love everyone, and then we let God work on those sin issues in everyone's life. And there's some times where sin just grieves my spirit, and it really makes me mad, and I hate it. I hate when I see or hear about human trafficking, for example. That grieves my spirit, and it makes me mad. When I, when I see addictions and it breaks my heart because I've seen what addictions have done and destroying people and destroying families and marriages and it makes me mad. When I see abuse take place of children or spouses or the innocent, it grieves my soul and makes me mad. And sometimes I want to make a whip like Jesus did and start to clean house and clear house because we cannot tolerate love of the world for the Father. They do not go together. So let me get real practical here for a moment. L loving the Father really impacts how we live our lives, how we go through our days. Loving the Father changes things. It changes our focus from me to a focus on God. It changes our, our view of money from hoarding and gathering as much as we can to giving away as much as we can to bless others. It changes our view of comfort in life where, where we move from everything is about just being comfortable to knowing that life is not about comfort and to a place where we're willing to step outside of our comfort zones. It changes our view of happiness from do whatever makes me happy to do what pleases God. It changes how we raise a family from teaching uh, your, your children to be self-sufficient to seeking encouraging them to obey and love God. It changes our view of, of our physical body from trying to look like the models on the screen to cultivating an inner beauty that is deeper than looks or clothing styles. It changes our view of serving and helping from serving when it's convenient or when we have time to even when it's uncomfortable and inconvenient and costly. It changes our view of relationships and our understanding of how we relate to one another. 
So instead of looking at somebody else on what can you do for me or how do you meet my needs, it's all of a sudden a desire to serve that other person, to pour into them so that they can be the best man or woman of God that they can be. You see the difference that this makes? Now, I, I get it that there's times where we find ourselves leaning towards the world side of things. I think that's why John wrote this letter. And I'm, I'm tempted in those ways as well. And when I see the latest shiny techno gadget come out, I'm tempted to click the buy button. You know, when I scroll on my Amazon.com page, sometimes I pause a little too long on some items, and I think, man, my life would be so much more convenient with that. And we start to think of how our life might be better if I just have this item and that just so happened to pop up on my screen. As the praise team comes forward this morning, you know, I, I get that we sometimes find ourselves on that side. But the test is, do not habitually love the world. Instead, fall in love with the Father. And when you do find yourself on the world side of the scale, when your habits and practices are, are in opposition to God, then make steps in the right direction. Repent. Seek God's forgiveness and go back to practicing biblical habits that pour into loving the Father. Stop the ones that are detracting from Him. So when John wrote this letter, you know, he knew that his readers were being pulled towards loving the Word. And you know what? That same pull is out there today. That same tug and pull uh, we encounter in our lives. So we just need to be aware of it, recognize it, and turn from it. But also know this, journey that the Father is pulling you as well. He's pulling you towards Him, towards His love, towards His embrace, and towards His forgiveness. So when He tugs, don't hold back, don't resist. Welcome that pull from the Father. Let's pray this morning. Father, I want to thank you just for the words of 1 John that encourage us, that challenge us, that remind us where our love is to lie. So, Father, may we resist the pull of the world and welcome the pull that you put on our hearts so that we might live for your glory. We pray this in your name. Amen. Let's continue worshiping this morning by standing and singing.